Changemakers, welcome back to Cause Talk Radio. I'm Allie Murphy with Engage for Good. In today's episode, I'm joined by artist Stevens, president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. He's been on the podcast before. At the time, he was the senior vice president and chief marketing officer for the National 4-H Council. And before that, he was the national vice president of marketing strategy and operations at Boys and Girls Clubs of America. An award-winning nonprofit marketing leader with a passion for building purpose-driven brands, boards, and teams, Artis' experience has led to transformational outcomes in fundraising and diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Tune in to today's episode to learn all about the five pieces of advice for attracting corporate partners and Artis' advice to those companies themselves, Big Brothers Big Sisters of America's Jedi programming goals, and the organization's newly launched Jedi Council, the power of mentorship in the social impact space and how it relates to partnerships, team development, employee engagement, employee resource groups, and much more, and what it's been like for artists to lead the organization over the past nine months in his new role. And with that, let's get started. Hey, artists, and welcome to Cost Talk Radio. Allie, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. So you have been on the show before, and it was actually one of the first episodes that I listened in to Megan as she was doing, but you were at a different organization at the time. So would you tell us a little bit about yourself and the organization you now lead? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. I've been on board for about nine months now, and and it feels like about nine years, to be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> how things have been going, uh, which is not a bad thing. It's just been going so fast and and, and really exciting. Uh, but th- this organization is is so incredible and and it's so needed, Ali. It is an or it's a legacy organization. It's more than a, a hundred years old. But what, what I always love to tell people is the reason we're founded. And it's not a history lesson. It's a it's a particular reason about it. We were founded as an alternative innovation to the juvenile justice system. And and why that's so important is that we were founded with the idea of reaching the young people who were most marginalized. Uh, in the country, the young people who didn't always have opportunities and access to opportunities. And that was always core to our purpose and our mission. And it helped us to sort of become the type of organization that was really about bringing together diverse communities, bringing together positive mentors and relationships so that those young people had a platform, they had empowerment, they had opportunity. Uh, And if you fast forward 100 years later, that hasn't changed, right? So the spirit of our organization has changed. The society and cultural things may have changed, but the values of what we believe, which is around justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, ensuring that every kid has an opportunity for a better life by empowering them with positive adult relationships is powerful. And it's the singular thing that we do that helps to change lives and helps to put young people in the position to change their communities. If you look at our organization today, we're the largest one-to-one mentoring organization. We're in 5,000 communities, all 50 states. Uh, most of the kids that we serve, 70% in fact, uh, are from communities of color. 60% are from single-family households. Uh, 55% live in poverty. 25% uh, are have a parent that's incarcerated or in the parole system. And what I always say to people, because I have a background that is in that experience myself, is that that doesn't define our kids. What it does do is show that our kids need the same type of opportunities that every single kid in this country have. And when they they get those opportunities, 
they have just as much chance to be successful and to reach their potential. And that's what this organization is about. And that's what we're going to continue to be about as we grow. I think that was such a great overview. And you've talked about so many different pieces that I want to get to, including Jedi and a bunch of other pieces. But I also want to hit on something else. You are the first Black CEO of Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America in its entire 100 plus year history. What does that mean to you, one, personally? And two, can you talk to me a little bit about the importance of representation at that level, since a lot of the people that you serve, the youth that you serve, are people of color? Yeah. So what it means to me personally, first of all, I'm proud, right? I'm proud to 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 have the honor to to break a barrier, right? I, I believe I've always talked about the idea of breaking the barrier, right? You may be the first, but you won't be the last. Um, and hopefully you're blazing the trail for others to walk in that same path. So I feel fortunate. I feel proud. I feel honored also that I know this is not my journey alone. I always talk about the term of a village um, and I stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Because there were so many people in my life were from my my parents and my family to community members to other mentors that helped to shape me and God means so that my journey could be in the place that it is right now. So, you know, I'm the one that 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 people hear about and see. But uh, when I think about being the first in this organization, what I think about is all the people that's around me uh, throughout my entire journey that helped me to get here because we're all that makes them all first. Right. Because that's sort of the way that I see it. Well, and that's such an important point because none of us get anywhere alone. And so, yes, you are the first Black CEO and president, which is an incredible feat. And as you're talking about, there's a whole village that's helped you get there. How does this translate into the importance of representation? Are there some common themes there? It's exactly it because it's it's this it's that saying: if you can see it, you can be it, right? And in in our society, so often. The, what we see, what we see in our communities, the models that we have in our communities, the people that grow up like us, have the same background as us, experiences, look like us. It, it's a powerful testament of what you have the potential and the opportunity to do. And that doesn't mean that that you shouldn't have experience to, to, to other people that don't or come from other experiences. They're all enriching experiences. But we know, and in, in, in particularly in communities of color, it's too often been where we haven't had access and we haven't had opportunities to see people rise up, break barriers and, and be in moments like this. And what I'm most excited about. So I told you about the people that I, I'm so honored that has helped me to get here. But what I'm so excited about is that by being in this role, the next young person who sees me, they're going to exceed this. They're going to do even more. Right. They're going to take this and, and, and run and, and do more. Or if I can help to open doors uh, for uh, for other professionals who are you know walking the path and walking the journey and, and trying to figure out how they do it or can they do it or having the confidence, I want to see them exceed me as well. So representation is not a good thing. It's a necessary thing and vital, not just for communities of color in this case but for our country overall, because the more, more diverse we are, the more enriched we are in terms of our differences and our backgrounds, the more successful this country is going to be because that's what we've been built on. So you are, I think you said nine months in, I knew it was around a year. What is the biggest challenge you faced so far and how did you overcome it or how are you overcoming it? I mean, it's absolutely starting a role in the midst of a pandemic, right? Where you're trying to learn an organization. You're trying to learn the people of an organization. 
uh, but you're not meeting, not in person. (laughs) (laughs) Just Zoom and not face-to-face. It's a whole bunch of Zooming going on. You're right. So uh, that has certainly been one of the things that when I walked into the organization uh, was incredibly challenged, or at least sort of where I first started off. But I will tell you, it just speaks to the, the passion and the power of the people uh, in the Big Brothers, Big Sisters Network, because I've been so incredibly embraced. We've had to alter, right? In, in every way, in every organization, we've had to alter the way that we, we provided services to kids, but we also had to alter the way that we build culture and relationships. So a lot of it mm-hmm. has been, yes, the, the Zoom experiences, a lot of it has been, you know, how do we connect and learn more about each other and immerse with each other? A lot of it has been uh, sharing information at an accelerated uh, pace. Uh, also engaging in different forms and, and creative forms of engaging young people. So it's helped me to sort of get immersed a lot quicker than what I thought I was actually going to be because yeah. I've been able to meet with more people, engage with more people at an accelerated rate and, and also make decisions at a quicker rate because our network has said, hey, we're looking for solutions. We're looking for opportunities. We want to build together. So in a, a, a interesting way, what first became a challenge has now really become an opportunity and a benefit for our organization to probably move a bit more nimble, be a bit more nimble and to be a bit more accelerated than I thought we were going to be in the first place. Do you have an example that you could share to bring this to life? Because you're talking about how you're able to meet with so many more people and be more nimble. Do you have an example of something that historically would have been done differently, but you were able to kind of transform and is now maybe better that you would keep for the future? Yeah. So... Uh, I have a great example. One of the things has been our, we, we have, each year we meet together as a conference, right? And our conference, like in a lot of organizations have annual conferences. But here's the thing about an annual conference. Typically what happens is that you bring a whole bunch of people together, but the people who typically come to those conferences so that you're able to then take the training, the resources, the immersions, all the different things they implement back in your community or to move strategies and policies for are the people who can afford to be there. They're typically leadership. So there's a whole core group of people that typically don't get access to a lot of the content, a lot of the insights, and a lot of the strategies and operations that you need to move forward as a a federated model or a network type model. So if you think about how our conference was this year, it was open and accessible to everyone, right? So everyone from the CEO and the board member to the frontline staff we're able to participate at the same level, the same level of engagement, the same level of activities. And so what it helped us to do is everybody got a bit of the same. And we were able now to move work that we were doing on our strategic plan, work we were doing on, on our Jedi focus uh, strategy, because now everyone was able to ask questions, engage at the same time, be virtual. And people who would have traditionally maybe not been in that circle to engage and to help move the strategy forward, we're now fully engaged in the process. So now that we're moving past, when we move past the conference, the implementation of a lot of the different initiatives we're trying to do, the selling to those initiatives, the buy-in, the investment was already there because we had a much more inclusive circle that helped to start with us because of the virtual environment. I think that's a great example. And it it can be, I think, really challenging to have, as you're talking about the in-person model, those in leadership positions, it's great for them to go to conferences, absolutely. But I think there's a little bit that gets lost as it goes back to teams. And so the ability for anybody on any team level to join has a big impact as well. Yeah, and what it's going to mean, here's the here's the true after effect. And I hope 
as your listeners are also going through a lot of this and experience it in different forms or format, is that it, what it should mean for us, and it is meaning for us, and, ho- and I hope this is implications for a lot of organizations, is for you to think about how you do these types of experiences differently in the future. Like, we're going to go back to in-person, but, but we're not going to lose the idea and the spirit of we have to be more inclusive and how we bring everybody to the table. So there's going to be virtual components. We have to think about ways to give people access. We have to think about the ways we create our formats, right? And that's the innovation part, right? The challenge hopefully leads to innovation and opportunity to think differently and then to execute differently so that you get to better results ultimately to serve the, the constituents you serve and hopefully move forward the work that you're doing. You've mentioned Jedi a few times in your introduction and what we just talked about. And so Jedi is justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And I understand you have some new programming goals here, but you also just launched the Jedi Council. Talk to us a little bit about it. What is this? How does it fit into the bigger picture? What would you like to share? Uh, I love to talk about Jedi, right? And well, well, one, I love the name and, and it's sort of pop culture. I'm a big Star Wars fan, but, okay. <laughs> but, but I always tell people that uh, you know, the Jedi Council, uh, it is it is certainly focused on the direction of creating more equity, even though the people that we have on this council are forced to be reckoned with. So the force still lives uh, within our Jedi Council. <laughs> uh, so so think about what I just said earlier about our founding, right? Being founded out of justice to create more equity for kids and young people who have been marginalized, that bringing together diverse communities from all backgrounds, experiences that help support and advance young people and ensuring that every child, every child we serve, every child we advocate for feels included to the promise of a better life and opportunity. That's what Jedi means. That's the whole yep. idea of ensuring that level of empowerment. But here's the thing. No one organization, no one person, no one institution can do it alone. It takes all of us. It takes a village. And if we're going to live by that model, if we're going to live by the idea and the spirit of how we serve young people in the village, we got to bring our best thinkers. We got to bring our best experts, our best influencers around the table in the work that we do that helps us to innovate, that helps to keep us accountable to the work that we we do, and that help us to operationalize how we think about our programs and our strategies and to build the types of partnerships that allow us to really grow and to do more with the resources that we have. That's what the Jedi Council is all about, is bringing some of the top leaders, thinkers, influencers across the country to really think about how do we do this from a mentoring standpoint? How do we do this from a youth development standpoint and empowering young people by ensuring that we're creating and opening doors so that everyone has access to it? So we're going to use their brain power. We're going to use their connections. We're going to use their resources. And most importantly, we're going to use their grit and their time to help us advance strategies to reach more kids and to reach them more effectively. Okay, so I have two follow-up questions. One is, who are the people on this guy? I mean, I know you've talked about experts and thinkers and influencers. Do they come from different organizations and different backgrounds? Or are they all big brothers, big sisters? And then two is, does the Jedi Council sit within, I guess is the word I'm thinking of, within big brothers, big sisters? Or does it span different nonprofit organizations? Yeah, it's a great, great question. So they come from a variety of backgrounds. We have uh, folks on here that comes from local, different local nonprofits uh, and other organizations. We have uh, folks who come from business and the private sector. Uh, our, uh, we have uh, one person who is uh, a board member 
2019 uh, uh, Miss Miss America, and but also an okay. attorney, <laughs> right? Yep. And and a correspondent for Extra, and who's our our, our chair. Uh, and we and we have young people, right? We have a, a college student because um, we want to make sure that everything that we do has youth perspective, and and that is sort of the background of of what we're able to bring together people from various different origins. And the, and the council, no, it doesn't sit in like big brothers, big sisters only. What it it does is help to we, we see this as a council of an independent group of thinkers who can help us advance, who can help us to challenge, who can help us to think about our strategy. So we need them to be independent and to feel like they have the opportunity to really help us and support us as we drive strategies forward. And and, and here's where it also goes, Allie. It's also symbolic in the sense that in doing this kind of work, you have to ensure that you're holding yourselves accountable, right? And you have checks and balances. And it's not simply... Yeah, and it's not simply about you looking at yourselves and saying, check, we're doing this, check, we're doing this. But this group also is that for us, right? So when we bring these types of people to the table, it says, hey, we're going to have these types of people who are looking at what we're doing, who are asking the right questions, who is challenging us so that we continue to become better. And we're walking this type of journey in this process that we need to walk and be intentional. It's not just about of course, setting out with these big intentions and saying, oh, we're going to do this and do this. But it's also about making sure that you're getting it right and having an accountability partner and having the diverse voices, whether it's skin colors or like you said, having a college student. So you've got a youth perspective. You're spanning the gamut, which I think is really important too. Yeah. And I love the diversity, right? So when you look at our diversity, we're, we're talking we're talking everything from, uh, of course, like ethnic diversity and, and racial background. We're talking uh, uh, great leaders from the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about um, uh, 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 able and, and talking about some of the issues in uh, communities, rural and uh, rural communities and, and geographically. I mean, when you think about just the cross section of people that we have, we know gender uh, issues and gender areas. We're talking about intersectionality, right? And in, in, in this, and that for me, I think is really important because we have to ensure that the way we talk about it, the way we look at it is a really comprehensive way of really thinking about diversity and making sure that voices are at the table. I feel like there's so much more we could dive into there, but I want to pivot to something a little bit different. You are Big Brothers Big Sisters of America is the largest youth mentoring organization in the country. So I'm guessing you probably have a lot to say about the power of mentorship. Can you talk to us a little bit about how important mentoring is in the social impact space specifically? I mean, think about what we do. Think about what 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 we all do. It is no matter whether you're helping young people, whether you're helping um, the homeless, whether you're feeding the hungry, that the sense of relationship, human connection is at the core of all of our work. That's the essential element of mentoring, right? And what I always say to people is that for us to be really good at mentoring in whatever form that we do it or how we deliver it, it has to start actually within mentoring our own people, right? Mentoring our employees, mentoring how they develop. We should be the best at professional development Uh across our sector because (laughs) we do it for a living, right? right? So. So it, 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 that's one thing I always tell people. If there's one thing you should be great at in your organization, particularly if you serve young people, uh, people development, et cetera, 
uh, for constituencies is doing it within your own organization. And that means we got to have the focus and commitment to that. So, you know, I believe very firmly that mentoring is core to the work of social impact organizations. Um, it's at the essence of the work that we do. Uh, it has to be invested in. And, it ha- and when I say investment, I don't just, just mean money. Time is really probably the, oh, it the takes biggest a ton of time. equation. Yeah, because it takes time to develop people. The other p- key piece why mentoring is so critical is what we do to engage stakeholders and, and particularly uh, corporate partners and donors, right? Because here's the thing. We're in a, a, a place in, in, in society where corporations have so much power, so much influence, and, and of course, all the investment that they make financially in organizations like ours. But one of the most powerful, powerful examples that, that they bring to the table and assets that they bring to the table is people powering their employees, right? So mentoring has the opportunity to continue to change the landscape about how companies engage with the social impact arena. We're already seeing that. We're already seeing employees and and ERGs, employee resource groups, who are becoming much more demanding about what their company's doing, how they give back, the transparency of their companies, how their companies engage. When you think about the broader context of social justice and social justice not just being transactional, but truly being sustainable, sustainability truly happens through people, right? And people connections and people relationships to truly make that happen. And then the other thing that I will say that's so important about mentoring, and it still sort of bridges from this idea of employee engagement, is that we're looking at a country where we have to continue to work on our career pipeline and the pipeline of young people and getting talent. And the idea of our fastest growing population that we're serving in Big Brothers, Big Sisters that a lot of people will be surprised about, it's not 5 to 18, right? That's our largest group. That's our core group. Our fastest growing population that we're serving today is 18 to 25. And the reason why that is, Allie, is because kids are graduating high school and they're wondering, what did I do next? Where do I go? What's my next step? And they're looking for mentors, right? Mentors and people that can say, hey, here's how I did it. Here's a, a way that you can go. Here's how you get to that next step, whether it's your career, whether it's going educationally, whether it's that entrepreneur, entrepreneurial path or whether it's maybe even enlistment. But the the idea of strong post-secondary choices and decisions is critical to the form of mentoring. And that's where the biggest growth in our programming is happening and where we're putting a lot of focus to be able to support young people, support partners, and support broader communities. Let's talk about corporate partners. Is there any work you're doing in the space right now that excites you? Anything that you want to share with our listeners that you would suggest they do themselves? What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, we're doing a lot of exciting stuff, Allie. And and I always tell people when when doing and working with partners that it's a relationship, right? And that relationship is based upon authenticity and shared values and ensuring that there's a foundation of how you how you build these types of relationships. And we're seeing that in Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Uh, you know, there's a couple that come to mind for me. I think one is we just recently launched an incredible partnership with Express. Um, and it's it's really about the idea of being fully activated, right? So it's shared values in terms of how they want to help young people to reach career marks and career milestones uh, through mentoring and through connection. And that's right up our same value. And then what we're looking at is how do we activate 
and create mutual value together. So they have a goal of a, a hundred thousand hours that that they're doing. Um, excuse me, a hundred thousand employees that they're engaging and activating. Uh, it's a one million dollar investment that they're making uh, as well. And then they put brought all their media to the table to raise profiles. We had even one of our littles who were fe- featured in their fashion ad. Uh, campaign that was really cool uh, and activated across the Kelly Clarkson show and had a big billboard uh, in Times Square. And it was a story about how we take that. And and it was a showcase of the mentor and the big and showcasing how this young person was really going through the the story and the journey of being successful in the life by following their dreams and following their career pursuits. And then you have just the other types of relationships that are really about the times that we're in and the values that we have. Like you take a partner that we've had for a number of years, like Starbucks uh, Foundation, who is is focused on social justice. And what we're doing with them is a program called Relationship Responders. And it was in response to a lot of the issues that of course has emanated even more since the murder of George Floyd. But it's this idea of being able to go into communities to provide support to young people and communities who are facing trauma with relationship builders and relationship connectors who are able to create conflict resolution, support in communities, bringing communities together. And we're doing that with uh, Starbucks partners, what they call their employees, Starbucks partners that help devise and come up with these strategies because they have so much uh, insight, resource, real estate, investment, of course, and then we bring our expertise in. And it's a great way of how you see corporate America and what we're doing on the social impact and really building the types of bridges to help support young people and broader communities at whole with what's happening and what we're facing. Those are both really inspiring examples. If you had to boil it down into maybe two, three, four tips that you would suggest nonprofits follow as they work to expand maybe from transactional to transformational corporate partnerships, what would you say those should be? Yeah. Number one, Authenticity. You got to start at the core, and the core is finding shared value, right? If 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 you don't see long-term proposition in this, then from a value standpoint, don't start the journey. Right. right. And I know it's a hard Focus thing to say. Focus your time but, elsewhere. Yeah, it's a hard thing to say because of course we're all needing investment, but at the long term, what happens is if you don't go into it the right way, it doesn't end up being the type of outcome you wanted anyway. The other thing is really talk about activation. I'm a big big proponent of activation. And activation for me really means the idea of creating holistic partnerships that are not just simply transactional or not simply about financial. Now we want financial and that's cool. Of course. But it's also about creating all the other types of uh, value and inset, uh, um, assets that you can bring to the table and that your partners can bring to the table and being really strategic and being really intentional about this. I'm going to say something that's really important. I really want your listeners to 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 focus on this, because this is one of the hardest ones, that you also have to educate partners on the importance of funding unrestricted and operational gifts. You cannot do the work that you need to do as a social impact if it's simply about dollars going out the door or to being fun or, or, or being questioned about why your operations are so important. You got to start that from the beginning, because Every single thing that you do when it comes to sustainability is about making sure you can operate so that you can serve your constituents, serve young people, serve all the stakeholders. But you can't do that if you're doing all the money that you need to do in terms of pass through, but you're not investing in the money that you need. If you're a corporate partner, I hope you're listening to this as well. <laughs> you got to invest under the hood. 
so that the car runs and it operates so that it keeps going and getting people there. And then the last thing I'll say just quickly is the idea of ensuring that you're looking at innovation and what you do, what you're doing and how you continue to build and, and evolve, right? Like any product, it needs to continue to think about relevancy, meaning how am I meeting the needs of my constituencies, in our case, kids and the communities that we serve, and how am I meeting the needs of the stakeholders who are invested in partnering with me and being innovative and partnering with them and being collaborative in that sense of innovation of growing and develop. So I would say those are some key things that I always look at as we think about this lens and then making sure that we always do the walk with integrity, the right type of character, and the right type of approach and partnering with any stakeholder that comes to the table. Well, I said that I like how I said two to three and we got five. And that is awesome. So That's thank you I for do. sharing those. I'm a marketer. I can't help it, Allie. <laughs> there are so many more things that we could dive into. We might just have to have you back on the podcast, Artist. I've got more <laughs> questions. But for today, our time is coming to a close. And I want to end with two questions that I ask everybody. And the first one is, what is your favorite thing about the work that you do? I would probably say I am, I was raised in a family that always believe in the sense of purpose, right? Uh, Always tell people that when uh, I'm the youngest of a large family, my dad's a preacher, uh, my granddad's a preacher. And, you know, I always remember when I asked my dad if I was going to be a preacher like him, I always remember the line he shared with me. And he said, everyone has their ministry in this world. You have to find yours. Um, I, I, strongly believe in purpose. I strongly believe in the idea of walking your path uh, in the ministry that we're all intended to do. And I feel like I found mine. Um, So for me, it's waking up every morning and knowing that I'm following the path that I know that I was set out in life to do and that I'm living that path and I'm expressing that path through my work and through ultimately through the purpose of why I'm on this world, why I'm in this world. Well, I know our listeners can't see us, and I've probably said this before on the podcast, but anytime I ask that question, I end up smiling, and whoever's answering it ends up smiling, too. <laughs> so it's one of my favorite ones to close on. Yeah. And my last one is, we've kind of scratched the surface. We've talked about a lot of different things, but we really only scratched the surface on Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America. So if people want to learn more about your organization and the work that you do, where can they find you online? Yeah, they can go to BBBS. Org, and you can go on to find a local, we call them agencies, uh, local Big Brothers, Big Sisters agency uh, near you to volunteer, give your time, uh, learn more about the organization. You can also feel free to invest uh, and donate in terms of creating that the match between a big and a little. That's what we call adults and our young people. Uh, and you also can always advocate and advocate through your social channels and, and social media. And you can follow me. Uh, find me on on Twitter, Artist Stevens. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, find me on Instagram. Uh, and always follow me. There's more information that, that I'm sharing and, and would love to share with you. And you can find our organization there as well. Well, thank, Artist, thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing your, your experience and your nuggets of wisdom with our community. And I know that I'm really excited to see what all you accomplish next. Thank you so much, Allie. My pleasure to be on. Cause Talk Radio is a production of Engage for Good in partnership with True Story FM, engineering by Pete Wright. Music this week is by Hotham and Rex Banner. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, we hope you'll consider doing just that for our show. But the best thing you can do to support Cause Talk Radio is simply to share the show with a friend or colleague. Thank you for listening.